Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Sunday, April 24th, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my neighbor, Max. How's it going, my friend? Um, only day off in near sight, and it's gone by faster than I imagined it would, as always, but also, as always, happy to be closing out my pseudo weekend here on the pod with you, my friend. Awesome. Glad to hear it. I always love tuning in on a Sunday evening. Um, it was a wonderful day here in London, as we were just chatting about before the pod, uh, 24 degrees. It got out to my first patio of the year. Great stuff. Great stuff. Um, I guess, if, we, if we're not counting St. Patrick's Day, but really felt like a summer day today. Everyone was out and about. I think the weather, it well, I know, it just raises your spirits to have oh, yeah. nice weather. And every time spring rolls around now, I wonder, would life be so much better if I lived in California or if I lived in Florida where you get so much heat and sun all the time? Because it really, it just everything seems better and the troubles seem less there. And yeah, I don't know what to say, but great day, great day. And happy to be closing it out with you, my friend. I asked myself that in July, as much as I ask that of myself in January, February, um, I feel like we get two to three months tops of actual enjoyable outdoors weather and the rest, it's either too hot or too cold. But I tell myself that the winters build character and the summers are unavoidable. Um, it really it teaches sound... you to value the nice weather. You yeah, got to make the most exactly. of it. Exactly. We get more value out of our three months of 24 <laughs> degrees and sunny than they get of their 12 months of 20 degrees and sunny. Um, and hopefully less skin cancer, too. So we'll tell ourselves. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, in the sports world, things have been great as well. Uh, some entertaining series, only one now left with the possibility of a sweep, both our beloved Raptors and then the Denver, Denver Nuggets as of about an hour ago, stay alive and push for a game five. Um, but we'll have pretty much every series to talk about here uh, as the last time we potted was what Wednesday. So yeah. Lots to go over from the weekend. And then we'll finish up with a little bit of a baseball update uh, on the Toronto Blue Jays, who have not lost a series yet this season. So a good start, a good start for them. Uh, But NBA playoffs, full swing with lots and lots of entertaining storylines. We're going to have to rewind and uh, kind of just go through series here in the order that we have it in the notes, but we can really start with the Atlanta Hawks and the Miami Heat. And the theme I think we're going to have minus one series is things are a little bit more even in these series than perhaps we may have thought, or we'll just get to see more basketball as a result from the games this weekend, which is never a bad thing. But Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks, managed to claw and scrape 
out a game three victory at home against the Miami heat with Kyle Lowry being unavailable for game four. There is some potential here that this series may have a bit of a shift. Lots of people saying Atlanta was a a team that going in as an eight seed really underperformed all season last year, but did make the Eastern conference finals last year. And so there is always that threat in the playoffs of, of a team that comes in hot, uh, outperforms maybe it's playoff seating and we get an upset. Don't think this is going to be the ultimate outcome of this series, but we finally got a flash of what Atlanta can do as a playoff team. As Trey young hits the game winning floater that trickles in uh, after a 21 to nothing. Miami has had three runs really in this, in the first three games, one run each game where Atlanta just cannot score at all. And it's just a nightmare offensively for the Hawks, but they're able to weather that storm and able to weather another big shot by Jimmy Butler and and force him into a couple of bad possessions late and and steal this one at home. Uh, Max, I don't know if you have any additional thoughts on this series or this game. I really don't. Um, I do have a confession on this next one. I did not watch the Toronto Raptors play after going down three, nothing. I, I wasn't sure. I, I thought they had a decent chance to pull it off and at least defend the sweep at home. Um, but it was just a little too crushing for me to tune in with just the probability where it is. So tell me about it, please. Well, Scotty back in the lineup coming off the bench. We do lose Fred Van Vliet, however, to a hip strain. Um, but the story of this game was Pascal finally comes through shows to be his all NBA self and really the playmaking level went upwards from the rest of the guys on the team with Fred, not on the floor. Um, the really key contributor, another guy who's back in the series is Thaddeus young. He was awesome. Uh, yesterday for the Toronto Raptors in their game. Now I have to be honest as well. I watched 78% of this game. Uh, I was at a dance competition. So just trying to peek at it on, on Sportsnet now in between listening to some blaring bagpipes, but uh, able to, to squeeze that out. So didn't hear a lot of the commentary, but was able to get a really good sense of the game. And from what I witnessed, Thaddeus Young was awesome when the playmaking really tore apart the zone that had given the Raptors so much trouble in the first three games of the series, uh, planting him or Pascal in the middle and allowing them to distribute. Uh, Boucher giving the same energy as always. And then the other guy who really stood out to me was Precious. Coming back off of those two back-breaking missed free throws, another exceptional game from him. Worked his butt off and late in the game, Poor possession. He gets the ball way out by uh, like where you call your timeouts across half court and in and out lefty move just blows by Danny green and finishes at the rim with a layup uh, kind of capped an awesome fourth quarter for the Raptors where things did get tight and Harris once again, imposed himself defensively on Pascal, but the Raptors were able to eke out possessions. OG with a big three precious, of course, with his layup and uh, the Raptors were able to really <laughs> work hard and and pull that one from the quicksand as their season was evaporating. Uh, it was a great all-around performance from everyone in terms of energy. Gary Trent 
with another performance. He looks like he's, I don't know, somehow he seems to be getting healthier where it's usually the opposite in the playoffs, but he is starting to feel more like himself, uh, less of that sickness he was battling as well. And it's it, the Raptors are not going to win this series. Let's just say that right now. But the longer it goes, if they can take this next one in Philly, the alarm bells go off and it's full pressure on the Sixers. Uh, so this game five is now, of course, the most important game of your season, but it could be the most critical game of the series uh, in terms of swinging the tide. Three one has now happened before. Doc Rivers knows very well how to throw a three one lead uh, and Joel Embiid getting a little bit of taste the other way. Um, a, a sarcastic round of applause for the officials, as well as some comments made after the game, after he had explicitly told Nick Nurse to stop whining about foul calls, although he used a little bit more explicit language than that. Um, so interesting to see the Raptors fans, of course, eating that up, that he did not get the same calls he has been getting all series. And uh, James Harden. The last bit in my notes here, another really poor performance from him. Uh, I think he had seven turnovers and only made four of his shots in the game, uh, 27% from the field. Um, just adding Scotty into that mix gives another guy to throw it hard in uh, because Scotty relishes that matchup. And it, it just makes it that much tougher for him when he's not able to find a Fred or uh, not able to find a precious that he can really do some damage to uh, if you have Pascal and Scotty and OG switching up top there, it makes it just so much harder for the Sixers to penetrate into the paint. Um, and, and that was quite noticeable in this one. So shout out to the Raps for a big game four win fighting for pride now. Uh, and, and the other big news out of this game was our boy, Scotty rookie of the year the closest margin of voting in that awards history. He only won by 15 points, but he did have the most first place votes, meaning that it was a legitimate victory, not uh, in some cases where you might lose out on the first place, but then you make up the gap with an overwhelming number of second and third place votes as has happened in the past, uh, but eking out Evan Mobley and causing Cleveland and Detroit fan bases to spontaneously combust with frustration and salty tears. Uh, but you just have to now look back at this stretch from Toronto Raptors scouting department and development, like the amount of success stories they've had. And over a nine year stretch, they finally get one top five pick after just missing and missing on all these guys previously. Finally, you look back, it's not Bruno Caboclo. <laughs> but you get Scotty Barnes. And so you do forget some of the misses of this team in the past, but since then drafting OG drafting Pascal undrafted free agent, Fred Van Vliet, right? Precious Achua noticing that talent and getting him in the deal for Kyle. Uh, and then so many of the other guys, Pirtle having success on other teams, knowing Norman Powell's out there and then flipping him for Gary Trent Jr. And now this last one, Scotty Barnes is really the cherry on top, a guy who winning a rookie of the year, the first guy to do it in the Raptors franchise since Vince Carter. Um, that's a pretty big name to be compared to. And he's just getting started in terms of the things that he'll be able to do for this team. So really, really exciting. Nice for him to get that and for the Raptors to win on that same day as well. Um, an excellent day to be a Raptors fan and not a great day to be a Raptors hater.
Yeah, I, the versatility and confidence in Scotty's game is what I like for him to take this award home. <clears throat> no bias whatsoever in that statement. And yeah, as you said, this kid is just getting started. It's so exciting to see what's coming. And I just go back to my memory on draft day. Um, everyone waiting to hear Jalen Suggs' name being called, not hearing it, stopping for about two seconds and going, no, looking at what this team has done with their 20s draft picks or their picks in the 20s, I trust them to make the right pick with this. And it's gone exactly according to that. No surprises. So as you said, a big job well done to the scouting and development of the Raptors organization. And looking forward to what we do with, do we have a pick this year? We do, don't we? No, we gave it up when we had to get rid of Dragic. Right, right. Unfortunate, unfortunate. But we did get the boy Thaddeus Young who dropped Embiid with a nice behind the back, step back, Embiid falling to the floor. Uh, that's delicious content. That is worth a first round draft pick on its own. So <laughs> Exactly, exactly. There we go. All right, moving along to our next game here. Luka Doncic returning for the Dallas Mavericks. But the basketball gods will not allow the series to be easy for him. <laughs> and they will have to go through pure trials and tribulations to make it to the second round. Uh, this Utah Jazz team with a major breakthrough. Donovan Mitchell throwing one of his two passes per game to Rudy Gobert. Happens to be the game-winning alley-oop for the flush. And after Doncic had hit a back-breaking step-back three in isolation against Rudy, that is a tough one. For the Mavericks to give up, uh, the series now is even with Utah uh, having to go back to Dallas. It's really anyone's series at this point. We, we don't know what sort of performance we're going to get from Donovan Mitchell, but that really seems to be what's going to swing this series is the two X factors remaining is Donovan Mitchell needs to be still the superstar to, to match up Luke with Lucas production and Jalen Brunson state needs to stay being the guy he's been so far in this series. Cause if they lose that from him, then they lose a ton of offensive output. Uh, they'll need to match a higher level of offensive production because adding Luca into this lineup, like we mentioned after game one, it's, it decreases the defensive capabilities of your team, increases the offensive so these games have to become a bit more of a shootout rather than the slog that it was in game one and game two, where the Mavericks are playing really solid defense, but not having that same out of this world offensive creation. Moving, Speaking of offensive creation, though, um, the series that has been just a nonstop gunfight back and forth continues to deliver the Minnesota Timberwolves taking it 119 to 118 Desmond Bain hitting a buzzer beater three to narrow the score gap from down by four points to down by one point. Uh, foul trouble for the Timberwolves keep jaw, keep Bain who had the, I think it was a game high 31 towns might've had 32 or more though. Uh, definitely a Grizzlies high from Bain. Uh, but this team, we talk about how deep they are. So I don't, I don't buy it as like, a, oh, they didn't have their superstar. They couldn't perform. This was a tight game down the stretch. Um, the 
this series has just been so fun for the back and forth offense on um, both teams unleashing like the full arsenal at each other and neither really having a response. I am really curious to see when the winner goes up against one of the better defensive teams in the West, if that defense or the offensive production more or less continues at the same rate, or if these teams are playing subpar playoff defense, and that's why we're seeing such consistently high scores on both sides. Uh, but just watching Towns go at it, watching Edwards go at it, who had a decent game, all of the Grizzlies. Uh, this one, I don't know if you saw uh, Jones's missed three to tie it, but in transition, the Grizzlies get, I think it's 112 to 115 with the Timberwolves on the lead, and he gets it wide open in transition, less than 20 seconds left and misses it. That would have just kept it going and this game ending like on a hair I don't have any super comprehensive analysis on how the Timberwolves pulled this one off just want to shout it out for being a really fun close series exactly what playoff basketball is supposed to deliver if you're a Grizzlies fan you can you can take comfort in the fact that the two games that Minnesota has won in this series has been a result of a fairly large discrepancy in free throws as well as the number of threes. It's, it's two kind of high variance statistics, facets of the game, if you will, that is causing a swing towards Minnesota's side. Um, Taylor Jenkins' comments after the game are going to get him fined, uh, complaining about the officiating, called it arrogant, um, inconsistent, and was really not happy but he is protecting his team. And I think you'll get in an evenly officiated game, or at least maybe not evenly officiated, but where the free throws are equal, that doesn't always mean it was evenly officiated in a game where the free throws equal out and three point percentage equals out Memphis is the better team. And you can see that with the way that they're generating some of their offense, getting into the paint a little bit more than Minnesota has now. Again, best of three. Could just be two more games of high variance that allows Minnesota to take it. Uh, and if you're the Grizzlies, you really need to start focusing on John Moran because he was supposedly taking this big step to be the super duper star this season. And he's going to make all NBA second team probably. But 11 points in a in, in a game where now you, you're going back home tied 2-2, it's just not good enough. And I know some of the things that we've raved about with this team is the ability that he has to defer when a guy like Desmond Bain is going off or Tyus Jones or DeAnthony Melton or Dylan Brooks. But in the playoffs, man, your number one guy has to be your number one guy. And there were moments that Ja had in transition where he made it look effortless with some of the tough finishes he was making. And I know he had 16 assists, but I'd like to see him score more than 11 points in a game. Uh, other top guys in this league would get a ton of flack for it, and we can't let Jaw escape. In my mind, 16 assists is just as impressive as 30 points, and I'm happy to let that slide the flack free. I think you create the best shot your system can create, 
and especially with Jaws, the limits on his game, he has to kick out on the dribble penetration. He doesn't have the pull-up, the mid-range, the stop-and-shoot ability to take advantage of the spacing his game creates, and Minnesota knows that when they defend him, so I think it's a higher percentage to kick it out than to continuously attack the paint, especially if the whistles are a bit looser. Um, But you're Right, and that there is the loss of it's not your most clutch, trusted superstar guys taking a lot of the big shots, and that is what cost them in this game ultimately. So, the last thing that cost the Grizzlies here was a disturbing trend we're seeing developing from Minnesota Timberwolves games. They're now three and oh in games where there has been a protester on the court of the game. Now, Max, I don't know if you've seen this one. No, but this is an all-time example in film study. I want to shout out my boy Pierre, uh, the security guard, sitting in the second row. Unbelievable footage here, where he instantly takes notice of two women sitting in the second row by the game. One of them pulls out the phone. The other, with like a red sweater, you can see, is wearing a referee costume underneath stands up and before she has even reached the court he's out of his seat flying over the first row and does a fantastic tackle from behind uh pulls her almost into a choke she looks like she's out i think her head bounced off the floor uh but took her out on the court the play play was kept going for about five seconds before they realized that there were two unidentified individuals on the floor um couple other security guards on the scene immediately. They drag her out. Really quick stoppage of the game there. Uh, but for the Timberwolves, every time you see a protester, you go, we got this. But shout out to my boy, Pierre, because she could have been running out there in a referee uniform for maybe a minute before anyone noticed. But he was locked in, had the film on tape, studied it well, and made an impact in this game. Well done. <laughs> Timberwolves MVP, congratulations to Pierre. And congratulations to the Boston Celtics for now going up 3-0 over the Nets. None of these games have been blowouts, which is a little surprising to me considering how shallow this Nets team looks on paper and how consistently the Celtics just blew out teams throughout the second half of the regular season. But it's really... Excuse me. It, it's really the defense um, and the system they've decided on of let the other guys have the open shots, just keep KD and Kyrie out of this game. It will get in their head. It will mess with their offensive potential and capabilities. And maybe we'll give up a bunch of open threes, but down the stretch, this team is going to be out of sorts, off their game, no mojo, and we're going to win it. And that's what's happened every time. This game especially noteworthy with KD getting just 11 shots. And like Jason Tatum did not have a high efficient field goal percentage in this game, but he was a consistent part of this team's offense. It got him looks at the free throw line and it just kept this offense running smoothly. The motion of the ball, the handoffs, the kicks from the perimeter, like even if he's missing floaters, even if he's taking a couple threes that are maybe a bit too contested, the Celtics offense is overall running better for it. Whereas KD 
just seemed to be happy to settle for the open shots he was gifted um, when the Celtics defense fell apart and then to just use his gravity to defer not bad playmaking from him but for him and Kyrie two score first guys just don't seem to be able to um like get their head in the mm-hmm. proper the way a James Harden is able to understand his gravity and maximize it uh, and I think as much as we love Steve Nash, there is a bit of a coaching um, ideology clash with that mentality of play that those two superstars have. Because that the fourth quarter interview, when asked about how their offense is going, he, he sounds happy with the open shots their role players are getting. And uh, now I'm kind of eating my words because this is the opposite of what I just said about John Morant, but I don't think the Nets and the Grizzlies are the same team. Um, and the Nets just, they're not getting perfect games from Brown, Drogic, Curry, and Mills all on the same night. Two, two three of those guys doing great, um, but it's just still not enough. Uh, Curry, the one yesterday who didn't carry his share, and it just adds up and shows meanwhile on the Celtics offense it just runs um Brown I don't have a ton to say about other than that this Nets defense couldn't get a full enough handle on it um they just have whatever matchup they want like a Tatum or a Brown or a Williams or a Horford or a Tice someone's getting that post matchup against this undersized team and with the defense they play, that's been good enough offensively. So uh, do you have a prediction on if the Nets can avoid the sweep? Well, I it, it comes down to some of the shot selection. I think if they can get Katie and Kyrie off the ball a little bit more and getting shots off the of screens, getting shots off the of cuts, um, getting them touches where they're going downhill towards the rim and getting fouled, getting free throws, there's a possibility for the win this game. I tend to be inclined that the Celtics will finish things out just with the way that the Nets don't even have that home crowd that can really boost them the same way that a lot of these other teams do. Wouldn't be surprised either way if either team won, but I, I, I tend to lean towards Boston here. Kevin Durant, man, it, it's been rough and he's supposed to be the guy who can get you 30, no matter what the type of defense that's being played. And he has not done that. And everyone now has taken their turn, given him his, uh, his flack, but kind of like John Morant. Yeah, this is, this is, if this was LeBron, uh, the Twitter would be on fire. He would be, he would be burning man. (laughs) It's, it is crazy that he can put up this kind of performance uh, and, and not expect to get flamed for it because of the fact that he, that the whole reason he left Golden State, the, he wanted to be that dude and he hasn't been that dude in this series. And now it'll, that'll be what, three, two years, three years in Brooklyn with, uh, I'll say two, with, you can't count the injured year. Yeah. With no results, with no results. Yeah, but luckily I, they'll have Ben Simmons for game four. Oh wait, no, he backed out. He was too scared. So good times there as well. It, He's going to sit it, out the whole year. Yeah. Unbelievable. He's still going to make millions on millions of dollars. 
uh, the KD, like Kyrie, as heavily and aggressively defended as he was, his style of play, he still pushed the pace. He attacked when they were a second behind. He tried to like get just move anytime he had open space. But like, I know he's not built for it, KD, but there's just no urgency in his offense, no hustle. Uh, Tatum did a fantastic job every time they tried to bounce the ball to him, uh, just taking advantage of like the um drawbacks of KD's ridiculous height and reach he was able to poke the ball out from him and just disrupt him every time he was receiving a pass in the first quarter I think it made him really timid to call for it the other thing I wanted to touch on just quickly is this they're just switching everything the off-ball screens really aren't getting KD anywhere and chances are it's still like oh a Horford, a Brown, it's a guy with length that's switching on to KD and that's still giving him a hard time and still forcing him to make a really tough make, even if he does get the switch. Uh, There's just been no answers. And yeah, I I think normally once you've won a ring, your legacy can't really detract that much. But in KD's case, um, he can only be that guy if he's surrounded by superstars is what this series is kind of saying. Um, We will have to look at last year. Of course, he did have a good playoff. Oh, he was fan. He was phenomenal. But uh, against this better defensive Celtics team, suddenly when it's a Curry, when it's a Brown, when it's a Mills out there on the perimeter, not a Curry and a Thompson, um, That was a little confusing, but I think we'll <laughs> figure it out. I confused myself for a second. Um, he doesn't get the results and will have the final say when his career is all said and done, but I don't think that can be disregarded. We await game four of this series to make our final verdict on KD's hall of fame tier <laughs> maybe not that extreme but we'll finish up here last series we want to get to second last the denver nuggets stay alive Jokic gets some help monte morris seven for seven in the second half and it's a big time floater late in the game um to to really help propel the nuggets to keep their season alive uh very similarly to the Raptors, the Nuggets had that home crowd to really boost them up. And this felt like a case of Golden State not bringing it with the same uh, urgency as they did the first three games, trailed by as much as 17 at one point in this game. They do come all the way back uh, with a with a Clay Thompson mid-range to put them, I think, within two. But Jokic with a great move in the post. Uh, and a great kick out to Barton for the game ceiling three pointer. Uh, really, really important for the Nuggets to at least get one. <laughs> and on the other side, Jordan Poole finally has his rough game only 11 points, three for 10 from three point range. I, I don't expect that to continue too much, but this could be the thing that moves Curry into the starting lineup and, and Poole onto the bench, possibly. Uh, we'll see what Golden State goes with in in the next game, but you got to imagine they feel 
very fine after this one because of a lot of factors. Pool not being hot, uh, Jokic getting some help, and Draymond Green fouling out with just over two minutes left in the game kind of sealed their fate not having someone to deal with Jokic in the same way that he does so effectively uh, and, and creating stuff on the other end. So a big win for Denver, but it is now going back to Golden State, and I think this series gets closed out in five. The most lopsided game of all the ones we've talked about so far happening today at 1 p.m. between mm. the Bulls and the Bucks, with the Bucks just running away with it. I think it was a 25-point-ish final deficit, um, which is about par for the course, unless DeRozan is going to go 40-plus. And this Bucks team just plays playoff basketball better than the Bulls everywhere. They defend better. They run in transition better. They take care of the ball better. Oh no, my Uber account has been suspended. Um, that they text you when that happens, right? And tell you to click on a link. Yeah, for sure. That's definitely not a scam. I'll definitely click on that after this podcast. But anyway, um, it, I love this Bulls team. I, I think it's been so fun to watch this team make big moves and to see them pay off and see the success they've had and the national attention it's brought. Um, but ultimately, this team is just not at a level that's ready to make a deep playoff run. The defense in transition, um, they want to compete. I love some of the things DeRozan does on the defensive end. Even when he's outmatched, outgunned, he tries to put himself in the right spot, but he just doesn't have the ability. Um, he, he gives up the body a ton, drew like three or four offensive fouls. Um, but when Giannis gets it in the post against him, more often than not, when Drew Holiday gets it in the post against him, when Bobby Portis gets it in the post against him, um, the, the only chance this Bulls team has is just having guns blazing offense that can make up and erase all their other problems. They don't have the depth um, pulling the weight that they need to for that to happen. And Nikola Vucevic, the way this Bucks team spaces on defense, needs to be the leader because they, of the big three, he's the one who gets the most amount of space with the extra attention being mostly devoted to Levine and DeRozan um, and, and just the three-point shooting. They're not taking advantage of enough of Lopez's tendency to drop um, and the finishes at the rim on the mismatches, just not at the level or the playmaking on those doubles. And that's going to seal this series for the Bulls. Um, but I'm sure they're going to have a great free agency and I'm looking forward to what this roster looks like come around next regular season. Very intriguing free agency period for Chicago. Um, obviously, a lot of money tied up in those those three guys, but with Levine possibly out the door, maybe that brings some space to to get another premier free agent target. So fascinating to see. And and the Celtics Bucks second round series is going to be an absolute barn burner. Cannot wait for that. That's going to do it for our NBA storylines. We're finishing up with some baseball here. The Toronto Blue Jays, as I mentioned at the top, have not lost a series yet this season. Uh, their only non-positive result in a three-game stretch was a 2-2 split against the Yankees in the Bronx. So not, not a negative by any means. They are 10-6 and six on the season. I did jinx them today because I made the note yesterday that they've already started much better in one-run games this year than they did 
in their first half of the season last year, six and 10 in those games in the first half of the season led to a mediocre record around the all-star break, but they are already five and one now five and two after today in those games. But Jordan Romano with eight saves through 14 games is pretty remarkable. And he continues to stay hot. And then uh, Simber today get it or yesterday getting one as well. So they take two out of three in Houston, a uh, great result in that series, despite losing to Oscar Hernandez to injury, Bo Bichette has been struggling so far this year. Really he got his first walk of the season yesterday um, and, and proceeded to get his second today. Uh, but looking for some of the, the top bats to heat up a little bit more with Lourdes Gurriel getting his first home run of the season. Meanwhile, with some of the depth guys hitting the way that they're hitting, Collins, Zimmer, Espinal, uh, you can expect them to probably regress. So if they can regress, but Bo starts heating up and, and Teos comes back, you hope those things balance out. And, and so far, so good. The pitching's been really solid for the Jays, and hopefully they can keep this run going uh, now as the season is really fully underway in the MLB. That's it. I'm going to enjoy uh, a Sunday night dinner in 12 degrees. Might be able to actually sit on my my patio area and and enjoy dinner. It's possible. Uh, Took in a bit of Formula One today as well. (laughs) Uh, Always, always interesting to tune in. A great result for Red Bull. And uh, if you aren't watching Moon Knight on Disney Plus, an interesting one, a C-lister in the Marvel character world, but... uh, Definitely recommend if you are a fan of Egyptian lore. There you go. It's been a pleasure, as always, though, chatting with you. Our next episode will be in a week. We'll be taking this Thursday one off. So until then, when I imagine we'll have most of our round one NBA wrapped up and who knows what else. Till then, Sports Next Door signing out.